I'm Sean. I'm Laura. And I'm Alice. We're a theatre company of three, telling stories around the whole country. But now we're stuck at home, with just a microphone. Welcome to Stories from the... Wait, okay. One, two, three, four... Welcome to Stories from the Sticks, brought to you by Scratchworks Theatre Company. Whilst we can't be on the road, we're bringing stories from the road to you. Episode 4, Pat. We're back. Hey guys. Episode 4. 4. Episode 4. I was going to say lucky number 4, but that's not the wrong one. That's the wrong one. That is the wrong one. I think I said (laughs) one of my friends has lucky number 4, so she'll be happy. Yeah. Is it? I'm pretty sure we said the last episode was lucky. Did we? Oh, it wasn't that lucky. It wasn't. It wasn't that lucky. This now we're lucky. We made a social blunder. We did a (laughs) boo-boo. We did a thing. We thought it was going to be like, like we, we did it. And then straight after we realized our fault and we're like, oh, this will be okay. Um, And now we felt really terrible. So this, I'm going to actually explain what we did. So... (laughs) We referred to someone called um, from Wells Festival. We said their name was Claire and Joe, but actually their name is Roz. Lovely, lovely Roz, who has actually wonderful Roz. She's the festival director. She's Guys, the festival director. She's, she's worked for the national. She's worked for the RSC. <laughs> I mean, and if you listen, not acceptable <laughs> to forget anyone's name, but you know. Yeah. Have you looked what? her up on Wikipedia? Yeah, I, I had a Google. <laughs> Did a Google. She's a legend. I mean, um, and if you listen to less, uh, episode number three, she's the lady with all the puppies. Yeah. Is she the... actually the puppy breeder? Because yeah. I feel like, oh, I didn't realise she was an actual puppy breeder. I thought she I don't, just I don't had a dog a... that had puppies. I don't know if they continued to breed. I mean, I'm I'm sure, Roz, can you, when you hear oh, this, no. <laughs> we've made all sorts of bold claims about someone called Claire, who's a puppy breeder. <laughs> And actually, it's a lady called Roz. Who I'm sure has... there is a Claire who is a puppy breeder out there. <laughs> this is not for you, Claire. Sorry. Um, but yeah, she's put us up twice. Twice. Yes. Yeah. We've stayed in her house. We've performed at her festivals. Um, to we, be honest. We've drank tea talking. and probably a glass of wine or two. I'm pretty sure we were given We had muesli for breakfast. Oh, and coffee. So, so good. But yeah, yeah. so... We have decided that there is a new social etiquette when you forget someone's name, um, especially when you do it on such a public platform as what we're currently doing. Um, so, Roz, we have written you a jingle um, to say we're sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and here's the jingle. And here's the jingle. Uh, enjoy. Two, three, four. On episode three, we made a whoopsie. We all forgot a name, we hang our heads in podcast shame. Oh, Roz, Roz, don't be cross, cross, such a silly faux pas. Luckily you have a sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because this lockdown phase has befuddled our brain How could we forget your delightful name? So we did what we do best and wrote a jingle To say that of course your name is Ros and not Claire or Joe. Well that was it that was Hope it. did the job. That was it. <laughs> if anyone ever forgets our name now, all I'm expecting is a jingle. I won't accept anything else now. I don't think this I've ever it. received a jingle. I've always been on the giving side of jingles, but not receiving a jingle. I remember... I wrote you a Christmas, Christmas rap. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote Christmas you a Christmas jingle. Rap. I've written you a Christmas rap, Sean. I mean... That's how cool we are. We write each other Christmas jingles. We've done Christmas jingles. We've done, we've done a rap for a wedding for a friend. Yeah, um, it's oh, how we communicate again. now, basically through quirky song. Yeah, yeah, we have nothing left to talk about, so we just write no. write things that rhyme. Yeah, yeah with the ukulele. Yeah, what else is there to do in the time of pandemic? Anyway, on that um, note, <laughs> hope you enjoyed the jingle. Let's carry yeah. on with the main bit. Uh, so, who is doing the interview this week? It's me, Laura. Hello. Yay. <laughs> Take it away, Laura. Today I am interviewing the amazing Pat. Hello, we've gone full circle and it's Laura again. Today we are journeying north, storming up the M5 with a quick stop at Birmingham Services for some fast food and fresh air, until finally we're in the county of Lincolnshire, where we stayed with the endlessly caring and eccentric Pat. Pat lives in the peaceful village of North Thorsby, a maze of winding lanes and wide open fields, and it's very flat, which the girls laughed at me for finding so surprising. North Thorsby is sandwiched between the market town of Louth, where we performed at the Riverhead Theatre, and Industrial Grimsby. It's a place where you can feel that pull between rural traditions and modern developments. Next to North Thorsby is a small village called Tetney, which Pat also mentions in her stories, as she lived there for a long time too. My interview with Pat fell on her third day of retirement. She had an impressive and eventful career as a community midwife, a job which I've always found fascinating as, well, I think they probably experience every emotion possible in their line of work. Pat's stories amazed me and show just how resilient midwives are. We spoke on a June Wednesday afternoon on Zoom. The sound quality isn't perfect. And there are a few background sounds from antique furniture and live animals. But once we get going, you barely notice them. Here's Pat. Normally we start, if you wouldn't mind, could you describe where you are at the moment for people listening so they can visualise it? Uh, I'm currently sitting in my dining room. It's got a massive table in the middle of it. My husband's antique bar with, lots, with eight chairs around it. Um, full of a clock that's antique clock that's ticking, a antique piano, and a canary. Can you remind me of the name of your canary? I've forgotten. This one's called Smidge. Smidge. I remember Smidge and being a delight. The cat's upstairs. 
It's called Steve. She's called Stevie Nicks, the princess. Perfect name. And of course, we're chatting on the third day of your retirement. So how has the first few days been for you? Um, I've been very busy. I don't know what it'd be like in a few <laughs> weeks time, but there's people to catch up with. Um, uh, this is you know, my third Zoom thing, you know. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, and so there are things doing and uh, I keep thinking, oh, I'm not going to do anything. And then something occurs. So is this going to be what it's going to be like? Going to be going, I do already do cups of teas, but like already had about three asks this week of people who want to meet up. I think they're more keen to meet up now that they're allowed to. And, mm. You know, um, but yeah. If the church and the, uh, the theatre were getting better, we would probably have more to do as well. Definitely. Gosh, well, it would also, as we've chatted about, it would be really interesting to hear about your time being a community midwife. How long were you a community midwife for? Well, the period of time as a community midwife in Lincolnshire was for seven years mm -hmm. um, before my children were born. So mm -hmm. that was from 81 to 88. We worked all alone. We um, stayed at our own houses. All the phone calls morning and night from... Uh, Lincoln, because Lincoln was the main base there at that time. Mm -hmm. And you would go out and do your work and then come home and then take your calls. But you'd never saw anybody, and never saw your colleagues ever. In that seven years, I think we met up once a year. We just mm. worked at doctor's surgeries and saw your patients. That must be very strange, working on your own like that. It was quite lonely at times. Yeah, I can imagine. So what was the work that you went into then after you had your children? I, I'd... Mm -hmm. I worked in a, a small midwifery unit in Grimsby. Yeah. And then I worked in Grimsby for 25 years as mm -hmm. a, a hospital stroke community midwife. Um, mm -hmm. But the community there was not the community we had in Lincolnshire. So in Lincolnshire, it was it's rural. I'm not saying, saying everybody was any sort of standard of living, but mostly most folk were fairly nice. There were a few people who were not nice. But in Grimsby, I worked in an area which was a, um, a very uh, run-down area of people who were very deprived, very poor um, housing conditions. I've done that for several for 25 years, although the last, say, 10, I've worked mostly in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that was um, a total different outlook. Yeah, when you were working in Grimsby. Yeah, does that, do your options as a midwife change at all depending on the kind no. of economics of the uh, area. it just is you just got to a different um you have to different standards of care you have to be aware that people need probably more help right um, and look for various ways to help them whereas in in lincolnshire they didn't need that amount of help they needed the care of a midwife and the care of newborn babies and things but they didn't need help of social services or housing or things like that or Wow, so you were involved in those conversations? Yes. It's um, being able to judge what, what you're walking into sometimes. You know, nobody tells you. There's not a sign over the door saying this house requires this sort of thing. You have to go into a house and think, hmm, this isn't working in this house, or maybe they don't need any animals in this house because it's not very clean. Mm. But yes. Gosh. So when you were working in rural communities, 
Were the births mostly from home? Quite a few home births, yes. Mm. I did quite a few home births. Um, and you have to remember that life now with mobile phones and all sorts of technology, when I was there, we didn't have bleeps or anything. So what happened was where the base was in Lincoln, they um, could estimate where you were because they knew where your visits were and when your clinics were. And they could, could estimate that you were possible. And bear in mind that the whole working day was could be 100 miles round trip. Wow. They would guess that probably by now you're probably at this house and they would have the phone number of this house or the next clinic you were at and say, could you ask uh, the midwife to call us because there's a home birth going on. Sounds a bit of a phone tree. Yes. Oh, wow. But, I mean, some, many of our patients didn't have phones, so they couldn't even ring them. They would try to guess where you might be next. <laughs> That's extraordinary. I've never thought of it like that. At the end of the eight years, we, had, um, we did start a bleep system. But in Lincolnshire at that time, it's still not very good, there was not much um, connectivity. Mm -hmm. So I can remember coming towards the end of the eight years I worked there, so that's 81 to 88, inquiring from a mobile phone company whether it'd be worth me buying a mobile phone for work, because it was, it was a nuisance. People couldn't, you, like, because you would get to visits and you'd find that you'd been given the wrong address. And you would think, well, how will I find where the right address is? And you, if there was a, a, a telephone box, you could go ring work, or sometimes you might knock at somebody's house and say, could I use your phone if you've got one? Because I've got the wrong address here. Because you had, to, you had to find the people, even if you got the wrong address, because you were in trouble, you could find a house. Um, and you, you maybe you'd already travelled twenty miles just to find this house. <laughs> um, so I did inquire of this phone company, and they said where we were travelling in deep dark Lincolnshire, there was no connectivity, so there's no point buying a phone. No, oh, you can't no. imagine that now, can you? Gosh, not at all. And you just think of those poor families, you know, in labour. Yeah, the worst I did was two days out. I travelled all day. I did all my clinics all one day, my visits. Then went to home delivery all night. And then continue the next day to do all my clinics and visits because we never had anybody to replace us. Right. So intense. Such an intense job. And my husband always took the labour calls because all our patients were our own. So whereas now people ring hospitals to say, I'm in labour or can I have advice? Uh-huh. My husband, if he was at home, but he wasn't at work, would take up particularly weekends, took all the calls. And he would say, no, she's not here. I'll get a message to Lincoln to say, she's not here. Um... But otherwise, you know, my advice is you ring your local hospital. Oh, and that's Tom. So I imagine he probably had not had any training in taking yeah. quite emergency calls like that. Yeah. And his most famous thing is that he used to say people would say, can you tell Pat? She's having the baby now. Can she come? And they'd put the phone down. And they would realise that he didn't know who they were. Oh, he would no. say, some man rang up to say, can you come? And I would say, well, who was it? And he would go... Oh, they didn't say who they were. Oh so you'd have to wait for them to ring back. It's such a different way of life. Different world. It's extraordinary. Whereas now you wouldn't expect any of that. No, you'd, you'd feel so abandoned if you were just there by yourself or, you know, without your, the care that you would expect. But I guess at that time, if the wrong phone call is made or the, the wrong address is given, you're out on your own. Yeah. And no sat-nav or anything like that. People used to ring me, friends would ring up and say, hey, have you ever heard of this village? We've got to go there. Because they would know that I would know. You would know. You're like the community sat-nav. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what were your favourite parts of the job? Uh, I like to know everybody. 
Okay. Because you were, we knew everybody. Mm. All our patients, we knew them because we, did, we looked after them the whole way through the pregnancy. Was, unless you were on holiday, there was, you always knew every patient, whereas the community midwives try now to know their patients, but you know, they, different people do different clinics, so they don't know the patients. Right. People still know me now. I've delivered many of the people I've delivered, their children, I've delivered their grandchildren. Wow. And they say, oh, my mother said to look out for you. Even though I've worked in different air work in Grimsby now, they all come to Grimsby to deliver. All these local people, and they mm. go. My mother said, "Look out for you." Ah, oh, that must be pretty rewarding, I would imagine. It is nice knowing people that way, yes. And is it hard to kind of separate home life with your work life when when your job is so intense and and you know the the trauma that can be involved? It was in, in those eight years. In those eight years, it was very difficult. Was it? Because we never we used to go out on our days off and everything in those days. We, you know, people ring up and they would go, can you come? And you would think, well, I'm here, so I might as well go. Right. Or people would turn up at your door and go, I think I'm in labour, what shall I do next? You would go, right, this is what you do next. <laughs> yeah, goodness. That sounds mildly terrifying yeah. now, someone to just turn up at your door in labour, obviously. It is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't think of it now. But yeah, people would know and they would go, I was passing and I don't feel very well. Do you think you can sort me out? And you mm. would know their history. You would know if they've got any ailments or whatever. Mm-hmm. You would think, right, well, it's time you got into hospital immediately. Let's ring for an ambulance now or mm-hmm. wow. find your relatives. Or... Um, but do you feel like your job, in as varied and intense as it can be at times, has that affected the person you've become? Or if it has, how? I think it's not a career, it's a life. Okay. Being a midwife. I think probably, especially the part where I was those eight years as a community midwife and did what I did. But the whole of midwifery really is, is a career, is, is a life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You can't really enjoy midwifery if you don't feel it as a, as a, as a calling. Really? You just have to be wanting to be it. And you have to be willing to take the sacrifices, you know, you know, hard work, very upsetting work sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just turn away from it. You know, it's easier in hospital because the end of the day comes, whereas in a community midwife, the end of the day might not come. You know, you might just have to keep going, you have to do on calls, you have to go out to home deliveries to still do all that. Mm-hmm. So that, that end of the day never comes. But even so, in hospital, there's always something going on that you have to be prepared for. Definitely. I think that's why it's hard to switch off from, really. Mm. Gosh. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting to me about, about your work. I'm endlessly amazed and in awe of, of a job like that. If your village was a dessert, what would it be? A fruit cocktail. A fruit cocktail. Ah, that's my favourite answer so far. Why is it a fruit cocktail? Because it's a whole mixture of different people with different parts that they, they are not all look the same. Okay. Do you know what I, mean? mm-hmm. I suppose if you went to a block of flats, you might think all the people in there are the same, but they probably aren't. But whereas when you live in a village of all ages, either Tetney or North Thorsby, particularly Tetney, I think, now with all these new people. But they all become part of the village when time settles down. Mm. You know, they've been there a while. 
they'll all join they'll all join in in different ways that's lovely how far are we going into this analogy have you got people in mind who are like oh you're the banana and oh, you're the grapes or is it well, I think, combination? I think basically the whole liquid is the history of the village right so that's the village and it's sort of uh, meandering along and people have joined it so you know um maybe the squishy squashy fruit are the old people whose history to the village is there mm -hmm. and then maybe sharp people like that like a cherry or something are the people who maybe a bit famous or um a bit although they're the old people they're particularly sharp would you say um and then the rest of the people sort of move along and join the gang and leave the gang you know I mean? sound like a melon or something you know that kind of like fills out the middle but it's very tasty yeah <laughs> i like that a lot Who have you got who's famous in the village, if I may ask? Well, I think there's a, a fair few people in the village that um, have been very rich people, but um, over time they've sort of gradually moved away from the village. But there's quite a few people who, you know, big business people in Tetney. They've got some very big houses in Tetney. There's been a few murders in Tetney, because I can't remember them. I can't remember exactly what they were about. Yeah, there's been two or three murders in Tetney. I believe it for a little village, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, that must have been a bit scary. Shan here. So I'm a big true crime fan and this bit caught my attention. So I did some digging. I won't go into details out of respect to the victims, but from my research, there have definitely been a couple of murder cases in Tetney and one or two were pretty awful as well. Kind of felt like reading the synopsis of a Midsummer Murders episode. And you must have, um, I remember you telling me, from Strictly, Kevin from Grimsby. Oh yes, yes. They used to live in. They, they did live in North Thorsby when I looked after them. The, the Clifton. His daughter, sister. Yeah. The Clifton. Yeah, because my girls used to dance with them. But yeah, when they they were born before my girls were born. Mm. And yes, I was them. They're coming to midwife. And her her main her main thing was whenever she used because my girls used to dance with them. Then one of my part time jobs was working for them for dance competitions, and she used to say, "Oh, this is Pat." And when I was her patient she i was whispering about something and she said something well what if how will you know because in those days the scans weren't as good as nowadays so what if i have a child with two heads and i used to i said to her well buy two hats <laughs> and she used to tell people this all the time and i think they would look at me and think you are some strange midwife i think that's the best answer to be honest but, but i didn't i don't remember it but she used to always say this to everybody amazing you need that on a t-shirt oh, now <laughs> yeah If you could walk around your village listening to some music, maybe you know you've got some headphones in and you're walking around, what song or what piece of music would you listen to? I would listen to Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Amazing. Why would you choose that song? This is my favourite song. If I was is gonna, it? I'm not very big at having... The thing about it is, is I hate really having um, headphones on when you're walking around because you miss so much. You know, I know people do it to keep themselves walking fast or whatever. But the thing is, you can see so much as you're walking along. 
you know, different changes in the village, different mm. animals in the village, you know. Or and if you, also if you see people, particularly in this current climate, it's so nice to say hello to people, isn't it? Oh, that's such a nice answer. I now feel like this question is all sorts of wrong. <laughs> you shouldn't be listening to music. You should be enjoying the scenery. Well, a lot of people do walk around with headphones on, but you've got to have a, a relationship with what you're doing. Because, I mean, you never can tell what you might miss. That's what is not happening that needs assistance. Well, that's you know, maybe your, uh, your work coming out as well. Always, always but, you, know, you can always miss something. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Things change, don't they, every day? I do. So wherever you live, you walk around, you'd see things changing. And you mm. think, well, that's interesting. Normally I've got my headphones in listening to music. <laughs> so I'm one of the people who are blissfully unaware. And I remember passing when you come into North Thorsby that there was a sign that said something about village of the year there are these village um where people tidy village competitions mm -hmm. and North Thorsby had won one about 2012 and so they'll get a sign on the on the on the name of the village saying that they were they won that I think they won it a few years but that's just one that was put up oh wow was there a Sorry. celebration when they won Yes, and the thing is, they have a very, in North Thorsby where I live now, they have a very big committee that is always making tubs of flowers and doing all sorts of things. And I'm just imagining the, the committee, as you say, when it's running up to the village of the year, that it gets a bit competitive in any way. Does it feel like that? Yes, because these people come visit your village. Do they? they come round like and they judge the villages. Yes, yes. Wow. And the secret. What's that? Secret inspection. Oh, well, a secret You can't one. tell you when they're coming. Oh, no. So they're in disguise. Yeah. Well, well I'm sure they're not in disguise, <laughs> but they don't tell you when they're coming. Okay. So everyone's got to be on their, their best behaviour. Ah, yes. But they do work really hard. The plant, the flowers are lovely. Um. All sorts of pots and shrubs. And they have a man in this village who, in North Thorsby itself, who does all the hedging that the council don't do all by himself and he doesn't, do it, he doesn't charge. Oh, that's really nice of him. Yeah, he's part of the committee. He does loads of work, mm -hmm. keeping the village nice and tidy in case an inspector comes. Gosh, he's always on top form then, just in case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And has there been any particularly hard or challenging times for you and your, you know, specifically your community? I think this, this COVID business is the most challenging time, but I think, I suppose really, changing times, do you know what I mean? From a, both North Osby and Tetney were little tiny villages, and if you see the pictures of them, mm. there's lots of pictures of those years. And, you know, they, everybody did know everybody. It was a lot much slower pace of life. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's got cars, and, and I think that's probably why the village becomes less of a, com a joined up community because people go places. Do you know what I mean? They go to work or they go away on holiday or they go see friends and relatives. I think in Techni, because I work by myself, but belonging to the village hall committee was really good mm. because it was meeting. That's why I joined it because it met other people to get to, to know other people. Mm. Do you know what I mean? In the village. And you know, I made some very good friendships in the village. We had some really good times. Good parties and good things like that. Really nice, it was. 
I think, I think the other side of all life is that in many days, when women had children, they didn't go back to work. Okay. So they could be part of the village things and mm. they put, brought everybody together. But of course, now everybody's working. If they are working, both partners are working, aren't they? Definitely. And the children go to nurseries from a very young age and the parents are just not, you know, nobody's there, are they? That's interesting. They go to school, that's about, that's all that they do. Because, mm. you know, lots of things have been run by women. Lots of church things, village hall things, whatever, community things, have been run by women who've got a spare time just a bit after looking after the children to do things. Mm. But there's nobody there now, is there? No. Or we need to look at how that can evolve with people's jobs as well. Yeah. How communities can adapt. Has there been a time where a member of your community has surprised you? Um, I was looking at this and I was thinking of a gentleman. And when we got to know him, he was quite old. And he used to deliver vegetables. Um, And he was a multimillionaire. But you wouldn't know it. So he had all these businesses on the sideline. uh, Business, well, legitimate businesses, but all these businesses all sorts of things. But he had a little truck and he delivered vegetables. And he would bring you things. Because one of the things he had is um, he used to deal with importing things like alcohol or something. And he would, from the warehouse, this Bond warehouse, he would always have things that were out of date. And he would, on his vegetable truck, he would have this truck and he would go, does you want a bottle of beer? It's, it's only about a year out of date. It'll be fine. Or um, whatever. He would have these things. And you would think, at the beginning, get what the heck was going on um but he was also um a parish councillor a district councillor and he was also lots of things and he also had a wife and a lady friend okay what a complicated everyone in the village knew in technically about this business took me years to find it out but yes but on his vegetable truck he also would have some strange vegetables you would think that's a bit out of date and it's not so good. Mm. And then recently somebody told me that he had been seen on the allotments in the village taking other people's vegetables <gasps> to sell. He poached them? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Did he ever get no, caught? That's one person. One person. And that was all the strands of his little life. Yeah. That I knew of. Gosh. And he was a millionaire and he was pinching other people's he vegetables. He was a millionaire. And there was, I never found out why I never, because I, I know he was great. His great son-in-law comes to our church. And there was some tale that none of the family ever got any of the money. Mm. Well, it sounds like he's got some um, dodgy dealings going on there. So I don't know what about that. No, I think he, he tied it up so nobody could have it. Oh, really? Oh, it's a bit of a sad story, really. It was. It is. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, he did have this, he had this battered truck. And if you had seen him in, within that, just, that bubble, that battered truck, and he had battered clothes on and whatever. Sometimes, I also think is he would tell you tales and you would think, really? Mm. I'd look at Tom. Is that true what he said? And in the beginning, then so I'd ask the people who I know the village all committee and say, he just said this. Ah, no. No, he's, he's making it up. It's not true. And you could have believed him. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've got some, some good instincts there. But, yeah, oh. It's a bit shifty. Well, I was going to ask, were there any, are there any um, local myths or legends? 
or your community, but maybe he's it. Or are there any other ones as well? I think the main thing about it is, is that you've got to be very careful what you say. Because, like in the village of Tetney, mm. how many people have joined up by marriage or really? knowledge? Mm. Yes. You can easily say something and you soon know you said the wrong thing to the wrong person. Oh, no. Um, that would be a bit stressful. Yes, because you just think, and then you say, are they uh, married to that person? No, but there's their great great niece three times removed. Mm. Everyone's think, connected. What? Yes, they are amazingly connected. Mm-hmm. Amazingly connected. The old people of the village. Yeah, it's very. It's a very strange life. Who's married? Who's related? It's only. It's actually births and deaths that you ever find out, really, because you have sure. a funeral and you think, oh, could we run funerals at the church? And you think, oh, I wonder what they're doing here because I can question technically. I know people are. Like, oh, that's so and so's whatever. Yeah. You think, oh, Turned how amazing out. is that? Yeah. Funny. We've we've covered we've covered a wide variety of stories. Were any of them any good? They are wonderful. You know, we've covered village life, midwifery, fruit salads. We've covered plenty. Um, so thank you so much for uh, for taking the time out to talk. Well, talk to I hope it's some use for you. That's all I hope. Most not. definitely. I got in touch with Pat nearly a month after our interview to see how her retirement was going. She said she's been back doing the odd shift as a midwife. <laughs> she was never one to sit still. She said if we didn't like her interview then she'd find someone else in the village for us to talk to. Not surprising, as she knows everyone. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pat. But we thought you nailed it. listening to stories from the sticks created by scratchworks theatre company we'd like to say a huge thank you to pat for sharing her stories with us and thanks to acast for hosting the episodes our podcast is edited by andrew armfield and the music composed by jack dean the jingle for Roz is a scratchworks creation and all of this is supported by arts council england You can sign up to the Scratchworks mailing list on our website to keep up to date with our news as well as exclusive content such as podcast bloopers, rando factos and lots more. Or find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, if you're in need of an afternoon activity, we would like you to creatively respond to the question, if your town or village was a dessert, what would it be? Check them out as we have already had some delicious submissions. Get creative and send us photos of your drawings, paintings, poems, songs, or even baked goods. 
and we'll display them in our online gallery. Episode 5 is on its way very soon. <laughs>